and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders. This is the show where I interview the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I am delighted to be joined by the force of nature that is the incredible Bina Mehta. Uh, Bina is a partner and member of the board at KPMG UK. She was recognised on two lists, both Empower and also Heroes, as being one of the most inspirational females and business leaders in the UK and beyond. Uh, she chairs the KPMG Emerging Giants programme and specialises in working with fast-growing private businesses in relation to access to finance and international trade and investment. In addition, she is an honorary fellow in entrepreneurship at the Cambridge Judge Business School. She's passionate about helping and supporting leaders and minority female leaders as well in specific achieving their goals and ambitions and beyond. Welcome to the show, Bina. Thank you, Leila. Thank you. I'm so pleased to have you here uh, today and I can ask you all these questions as well because I'm always interested when we chat about your background and ultimately how you came to be where you are today and so um, you know I guess before we get into the nuts and bolts of things I wonder whether you could give us a run through of the last 30 years at KPMG and all of the uh, successes you've had and you know perhaps also some of the challenges as well. Thanks, Leila. So you're absolutely right. I've had a career at KPMG, but but actually I've had many careers within KPMG and I, I'd really describe it as a life experience. I've I've taken away a lot from my experience at KPMG, um, but it hasn't always been smooth, as, you, as you've alluded to. So just to give you a bit of context, I started as a graduate, trained in KPMG, and then got sent out to KPMG in India when we set up KPMG India. So one of three people landed on the ground um, and to help build our practice there. So that was quite an early sort of feet to the fire experience for me. And when I came back from India, and I think, we, I think a lot of people find this, when you've done something different, it's quite hard to go back to exactly the same. And so I then joined our corporate finance practice and spent 10 years there here and then in the US um, advising large corporates, private equity houses, and then started to specialise a bit more in technology. And then when I came back to the UK, I had my son in the US. When I came back to the UK, I joined our restructuring business. And you sort of say, why would you move from corporate finance to restructuring? And that was because at that time, there were a lot of businesses, technology businesses that were beginning to fail or were struggling. And my role was to help either turn them around or help sell them quickly to keep them alive. And I loved being in restructuring because it's the other end of the spectrum, right? Rather than helping businesses raise money and grow, you're helping save businesses and turn them around. And so I did that for another 10 years here and then in the and in Canada. So I've had this amazing experience where every three to five years, I've had to either pivot a role or move abroad. And I think after the third move abroad, um, my husband said, that's it, we're done now. So we are back in the UK. And for the last eight years, I have been in the UK and looked after corporates, the government, um, as you talked about the emerging giants. And yes, absolutely. This year I became a member of the board. What a journey. And I know that was the super, super slim down version. Um, <laughs> and how, how you describe it with the feet to the fire, it's almost, um, I can just imagine you literally landing uh, there and suddenly growing and building this, this business out of almost nothing. But um, 
I wonder whether you could talk to us a little bit about your personal background as well, because it's clearly obvious that you've had many successes in business. Um, but as a as an Asian female who, um, you know, obviously has had lots of international experience and, you know, many years in the UK as well. Um, I wonder whether you, you'd share with us, you know, some of the, the cultural heritage and, and even, you know, a little bit about the family. I'm wondering whether, you know, there was... There was inspiration, shall I say, from the family that, you know, almost guided you to, to, to go across onto this career path. Yeah, where, do, where shall I start? So absolutely, I'm a second gen. So my parents emigrate or immigrated to um, the UK shortly after they got married. And, and then they had me and my two sisters. And then a long time later, my brother came along. So for many, many years, it was a house full of girls. Um, my mum is a real force of nature. I mean, you know, determined kind and incredibly resilient and I think that's where some of the grit comes from I think you know having watched her in during a period of sort of adversity because you know early early years for her would have been quite hard and they brought us up and then you know um, they've I think my parents and my in particular my mom has been the driving force for each me and my sisters to do something and be bold about what we do and I guess at the time it felt gosh you know that's a bit scary but I am so grateful for her um, encouragement and support and and I think part of it is because I know that everything comes from a place of good good intent it's kind and they are not afraid of holding up a mirror so if I sort of talk about experiences or talk about some of the challenges I've had they're very very grounded in the way that they will share their perspective and actually hold the mirror up which I really value because it's not very often that we get people around us that will tell you as it is for your good and the way um, and that you can take it in that in that spirit so that's a little bit about me um I I as I joined in I joined the accounting profession um partly because at that time I was in my in my family one of the first to go to university so the first to sort of choose a career and I ended up in a career that was I guess a little bit more stereotypical of Asians at the time so ended up in accounting um wasn't necessarily expecting to be in accounting for my entire career but as I said you know I've had I've I've found new experiences either they've come to me or I've looked for them and I think that is what's kept me kind of really positive in my in my journey I mean it hasn't been easy because when you start off in a training environment you know it's pretty much 50 50 you're just trying to get through your exams you're moving on but as I got more senior I think I started to stop and look around me and notice that there was a difference so I think that I think the challenges possibly in my career were when I was sort of in the mid career, you know, so when you get to manage a senior manager, I, I've, I feel like I've come through the other end now. So I'm very, very fortunate that I am in a position where I can help others and call things out. So, um, you know, it's been a phenomenal journey for me and what an experience. Well, you've definitely got the grit from your mum and... Uh... <laughs> And the force of nature, as you describe it. Well, was it competitive growing up with with your siblings? So I know you said that the Asian stereotype, and look, it's let's call it what it is. It is that there's, you know, accountancy and you know, being a doctor or a lawyer and things like that. I know that's all the stereotypical side. You know, have, have you noticed things change? And, and was it quite competitive when you were kind of in those early formative years? So it wasn't very competitive because there was a bit of a dis, uh, an age difference. It was about five years between me and my next. So I am the oldest. Um, I think there was more sort of 
tussling between my sisters than it would have been with me because I was that much older than them. But but ironically, each and each of us is either an accountant or a lawyer. So we did fulfill really? the stereotype. Um, having said that, by the time my brother came along, my mum had him um, when I was about 16. Uh, when he came along, he's, he, he led a very different experience and different life. Um, and so he's been able to do what he wants. It's just really interesting. But never, it wasn't, you know, I've always been encouraged to do the best and have faith and confidence in what I can do. And I think that's one of the things that I've really, really taken away through. And I wish I'd known that a little bit earlier is to be confident in who you are. We are a product of our own experiences and nobody can change that. And only we know our experiences. So over time, that's actually what's really held me quite sort of steady in, you know, being able to be confident in what I can and can't do. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of times when I sort of ask myself, is this something I can do or should do? Am I good enough? We all do it, I think. Um, but but that, that's been the sort of the core of who I am, I guess. It's really heartwarming to hear that because I think it's, it's so important that leaders, especially of today, have that one level of humility and number two, um, you know, that grounded nature and that realness almost because you know, the most inspirational leaders, in particular, I think for some of our younger generations who really do look for those organisations and those people who have got that sense of purpose, look for people that they can relate to, look, that, look for people um, that have had, you know, perhaps even challenging experiences and feel that, um, you know, they have something in common with them, that they can go off and do that. Um, now, I'm a, a strong believer in, as cheesy as it may sound, that the, the future of leadership will be dictated by those who um, have real heart and, and soul, because it's something that can't be replicated by, by digital technology or Alexa or anything like that. It's what differentiates us. But thanks so much for sharing that about the family and the personal side. It's so, so interesting, so interesting. Um, and clearly uh, set a path, I guess, for, for your other siblings to, to go on and achieve, uh, since it sounds like they've all done very well themselves. Yeah, no, no, thank you. It is absolutely been, a, 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 you know, I am and I think all of us are shaped by the values, the culture that we come from. And, um, you know, I bring some of the, the, the things with me or some of the behavioural aspects of my culture that don't always help me either. Right. But um, absolutely, it's been the solid foundation of who I am and what I what I kind of stood for all the way through my career. Which is actually one of the things it's really been about learning for me. And, you know, many a lot of people do ask me because I am the non-stereotypical, you know, you, in today's age, it's unusual and will continue to be very unusual for people to be in the same organisation for a number of years or the same career. But I think for me, it's always been about learning. And, and, and as I've explained to you, I've sort of jumped from sort of every time I've changed a role or gone overseas, it's basically just added to my rucksack of tools. Um, and that's why I can bring all of that now to the benefit of our fast growth businesses. And my job is about fast forwarding all those learnings from those big corporates and everything we do to help those growing businesses and in particular female entrepreneurs but all businesses deal with the four things that they really struggle with which is either access to finance because we know from the reports how little money goes to either female or di ethnically diverse entrepreneurs it's access to the right talent 
access to the markets international because in this current environment many businesses want to grow internationally rightly so but we're also navigating a new world of trade right so there's quite a lot there for them to work work for. and a lot of these entrepreneurs are in really small teams so that is you know it's a lot of this is about bandwidth and the most important thing that my job I see my job is really making sure I can see around the corners for them so things like the governance the, you know, making sure they've got the right people advising them, making sure that they can see that their plumbing's working in their business. Because as you grow, things don't quite catch up at the same speed behind the scenes. So that's kind of what I do. And that, and I think all these years of experience have really brought that to bear for, for these entrepreneurs. And that's why I'm really pl- pleased to be working on the council, with the council, because we have an opportunity to really shift the dial. And that's actually quite interesting because... Alison, obviously, Alison Rose set the dial for that. But subsequently, we've seen a lot more activity around ethnic entrepreneurs. And I'm getting lots of interest and um, programs and initiatives from the uh, from the US as well. So it's not just a UK thing. We're seeing it globally. Um, and it's been brilliant to be able to be part of that here in the UK. This is absolutely fascinating, um, especially for uh, for me as a female entrepreneur. Hearing um, you know some of the uh, some of the trends and almost I guess what's happened within the market. So let let let's talk about um, well I guess on the gender agenda, um, <laughs> quote unquote, um, the work that you're doing with the Cambridge Judge Business School and some of the you know I guess some of the observations over all of your experience with female entrepreneurs and those that have come from minority backgrounds. You mentioned there that there's been a, a greater uplift potentially in, in ethnic minority run businesses, which is fascinating to hear in particular, when you look at supply chain diversity and you look at larger organizations who are looking to diversify, there's lots of ways that they can look to do that through you know, female and or ethnic entrepreneurs, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. We're seeing an increased proportion of businesses that are either wholly run by females or partly, run, you know, where they have mixed teams. Um, and similarly with ethnically diverse. And I've been involved in a number of things that we've done around the Asians in tech entrepreneurship program to help help these entrepreneurs. And a lot of the a lot of the it's not that they don't have access to things. Sometimes it's just joining the dots for people. And um, we're beginning to see a real movement. And so from a supply chain perspective, it depends on what sectors they're in. What I've seen is an incredible growth in what I call technology entrepreneurs. And it's really, really exciting. And it's really, really inspiring. And I think, you know, we talked about the Asian stereotype, you know, doctor, lawyer, accountant. I would say the third gen of Asians are very, very focused on either those ones and entrepreneurship in, in its entirety. But technology, I mean, there are just amazing technology entrepreneurs out there. So they all are looking to grow. Every Well, there will be a small proportion of entrepreneurs who just want to maintain their business at a certain size and run it. But most of them will have ambitions, right, to grow really. And and the the world has opened up more than it has in the past we we see global money flows coming from all over the world into the UK and we do we do a survey every quarter and our our 2020 survey will be out in a couple of weeks but what it does show is it shows the continued trend of money flowing into diverse I mean even investors are putting the onus on themselves to be more cognizant of the fact that their portfolios have to be more diverse so it's coming right down the chain whether it's supply chain in terms of 
physical supply, supply chains or even through the money supply chain um, in terms of what they're expecting of entrepreneurs? Absolutely riveting, honestly. And I wonder, because, you know, traditionally they have been businesses and I certainly found it myself when I tried to go out for funding, it was not an easy thing to be able to secure. You know, what? why has that been? Do you think it's because we've been looking at certain types of, you know, similar businesses or, you know, what? why is it that they've had more difficulties than other, you know, demographics of people, shall we say? So look, I think first of all, um, there are two things. And I think uh, part of the work of the council is to look at both ends of the spectrum. There is how do we help um, female entrepreneurs or ethnically diverse entrepreneurs, underrepresented, whatever we want to call it, how do we help these entrepreneurs find the money? And then the other side is how do we make sure that the people that deploy those funds are deploying them in a un unbiased way right and we're not saying that people do things consciously because they don't nobody does it consciously and there is lots of research um, done in the past around how female entrepreneurs are interviewed in a pitch versus how a male entrepreneur would be interviewed on the same business case so part of the work of the council and we're just about to issue and launch a whole guide around how how can you be more inclusive and, and be cognizant of the diversity of not only yourselves as an organization but also how you assess opportunities right so that's one side and then on the female entrepreneur side it's about helping them access the network so you talked about networks there is a lot of money out there to be de deployed but in the recent years what we've seen is more and more money goes to larger businesses or second round third round but a lot of the um, a lot of the entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs, have set up businesses in a reasonably short time frame. So what you'll find is they're smaller business necessarily because they're not necessarily they've not been around for many years. So money is going into established businesses, and then there is a is a growing gap in what I call sort of earlier stage money for female entrepreneurs, and that is what the council's trying to bridge now. And I, I think I've and we'll start to see that dial move, and I think more more of the investors signing up to things like the Invest in Women Code will start to, you know, it will start to bring those two pieces together. It's such good news to hear that um, because it does make me, well, wonder and worry. I was speaking to a female entrepreneur quite recently who had set up her business out of pure necessity. So she hadn't the option, had children, workforces weren't willing to be as flexible as she hoped given her extra extra uh, commitments and so she'd set up the business purely out of necessity and I thought wow you know is that another major factor as to how these have come about not because people have wanted to start their own businesses but because they've had to start their own businesses. Yeah you know what and we've seen an increase in the number of new businesses over the past 10 months right because of Covid as well same sort of thing necessities in, uh, you know forced it upon many um, many individuals but what's also really quite heartening is I've seen I mean it's been really hard for some businesses whether it's cash flow whether it's people etc but what is really heartening is the ones that have been more innovative in how they've dealt with the pandemic are the smaller businesses and they've come up with some really creative ways of either pivoting or creating different channels for 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 their services or products and so i think you're right businesses are are born out of passion and necessity either one of those 
but and we are going to I think we will continue to see because I think what we're seeing is when I when I work with girls in school so I do quite a lot with um sort of teenage girls and you know you know we've got lots of programs that, that are run anyway for inspiring young women you know they are they are they do see entrepreneurship as a career whereas I think historically it wasn't deemed as a career. So, and I think girls are increasingly inspired by what they see. So there are lots of, you know, things like the Founders for School program, there's Code First. There's lots of great activity in the market to really inspire these girls to move into careers and to be, you know, to be able and be confident to be able to build their own businesses. You're so right on the entrepreneurship piece as a career. I mean, I remember being at school and it was just never talked about never talked about it. it was a module that happened to be in business management and international business that I studied at university but it really wasn't something that was presented or even cool in inverted commas um, it seems to have gained some serious traction over the last couple of years and as you say you know the the girls that code um, and the various initiatives that are happening that are really sharing these stories to inspire young women because if we don't have those stories to share we don't have you know also the represent and the people there who have got a good story to tell it's really it's really hard to imagine yourself doing something like that in the future isn't it it is and that's why role models incredibly important right so even in my career when I first joined accountancy there weren't very many female partners at all Um, and now I'm really pleased to say that that's beginning to shift and when I look across the organization it's it's just much more diverse than it was when I joined and I think even with you know with careers that young girls are going to take I think if they have role models to look up to and that's why programs like the founders for school is really inspiring because what it does is it brings entrepreneurs into the school environment to tell them and showcase what they do um and that is I think that's the inspiring because all of us have stories right and our stories are are actually it's, it's a product of our experience but it's actually what inspires others to either do or stay away from. <laughs> I mean, it can work either way, right? But um, I think the role models and showcasing is incredibly important. And then historically, it wasn't necessarily something that was showcased because it wasn't deemed to be sort of a textbook career. Absolutely agree. And I guess on that note, because you mentioned there, just picking up on something you said, that were not many female uh, partners or, or maybe even many females at senior positions when you first started at the firm. How about ethnically diverse individuals? Because we talk, or we've been talking a lot, as you know, with the review around intersectionality. It is not just that, you know, we're a female box or not just that we are a, I don't know, a mental health box, but there's many, many things layered on top of one another, each bringing with it its opportunities and with its challenges. How about the ethnic diversity? And were there any, were there anyone, uh, any people that looked or had similar backgrounds to you when you first started? Um, very few is the answer to be honest with you very few at the time but I mean we're talking about 30 years ago very few so for many years and I talked about this earlier so for 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 the first five years of my career I I I didn't see anything if you can't see something somebody like you you don't really notice that you're different so I um, I didn't really notice it you know you're just focused on getting to the next thing but we are and I'm incredibly proud but now we have a board that is equal gender wise and has 30% BAME, 
partners, which I'm really proud of. So um, we're getting there, but it's a journey, right? That it, you know, it's it, it's if, if we look through the organisation as, as as others, we're on a journey. Um, we're and you're right, the intersectionality is absolutely critical because we put people in buckets. And each of us wears different hats. And that's why your survey is incredibly powerful, because it looks at the 10 facets and each and every single person will be able to tick more than one. Right. And that is what we call intersectionality. It's easy for people to see me as an intersection, you know, the intersectionality of me because I'm Asian and I'm female. But actually, everybody has an intersectionality, whether it's parent, mental health, whatever. And so. um, I, 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 you know, if I look through the organisation today, we have an incredibly diverse group of people and, you know, we try to bring those communities together through our networks. And we have something like 14 networks to try and be, but, but, you know, but that's, that's part of the journey, right? It's not quite there yet. I've got to ask before we end up running out of time, Bina, um, back on another subject that you mentioned. For anyone who's listening in, for entrepreneurs or people even thinking about setting up their own business, you know, what kind of advice would you be giving when it comes to, say, looking for investment if you're a female tech entrepreneur, say? So if you're an entrepreneur, they're, they're the, the, so the council, look up the work that we're doing on the council. You know, that will be the first place for you to be able to go. The other piece is it depends on what level of funding you're looking for. If you're looking for angel funding, there's a lot of work. So, the, uh, you know, there are many angel groups that work together. But if you're looking for VC money, the council, if you come, well, people can contact me and I will con- connect them. The council will be able to help businesses point in the right direction. And just for clarity, for, for anyone who's wondering what some of the shortened versions are, VC, venture, venture capital, yeah. the angel funding is ultimately, that's where people would, yes, yeah, early. individual funding. Um, and when you say you're talking about the Cambridge Judge Business School here and also the KPMG programme. So, so the, the Cambridge, the, so I'm a fellow at Cambridge because they have an, a phenomenal program for entrepreneurs. And um, thank you, because I know you're speaking on one of the on one of the events and they, they do an entrepreneurship program, which is absolutely brilliant. And what I do um, and help them with is sort of events or activities that either showcase um, entrepreneurs to their students, to the wider community and work with the team there. So it, it's a range of things that we do, but it is all around entrepreneurship. And a lot about entrepreneurship is that network and connectivity. Connectivity is absolutely critical because as entrepreneurs, it's a very lonely journey. It's a very lonely journey. And actually that, that sort of honor guard of people around you that you can trust to give you true, honest advice and hold that mirror up against you, together with that connectivity that your wider group can give you is incredibly powerful and is the most valuable asset that an entrepreneur can have, right? Because you can buy in certain skills, but that connectivity is not something you can buy in. It's really important to have that breadth of network. And that's what, that's what the Cambridge University does through the people like me and other, other fellows. Superb work. And we'll put all of the details for, for the Cambridge Business School, for KPMG, for Bina, in at the end of today's show as well. So if you're worrying that you've not scribbled it down in time, don't worry. So Bina, as ever, I could talk to you all day, every day, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I've, I've got to ask a couple of lightning round questions before we wrap up. And, and I keep you from your, your important, busy world uh, back at KPMG and beyond. But first and foremost, and it's probably the hardest question in a way, but What's your secret to success? And if there is one? 
Interesting. So I was actually going to uh, sort of pull you up on the word success, because what is success? Mm. Right. What success is for me might be different for others. Look, for me, I think I've enjoyed my career and I I'm here and I'm still here because I love what I do and I'm learning. That is the most important thing for me, the learning aspect of it. So, look, I, you know, these various sort of twists and turns I've taken in my career have been because either I've taken the brave move to do it or because the doors opened. And I think the, the big thing for me is um, taking the opportunities that are there, because, as I said, it's like a toolkit. Right. It, you know, I'm adding and I could always see why that would actually add to what I've done. Um, and that's why I can bring all this all this experience and networks and connections to bear now where I wouldn't have necessarily seen the benefit of it before. So I don't know if that's a secret, to be honest with you. I don't know if there is such a thing as a secret. But for me, it's been about uh, been about learning. And the other thing, which I think I found quite late in life, was just being able to accept the, or recognise what I can do and what I can't control. And that's really hard to do on when you're, when you're progressing through um, a career, it, you know, is to sort of, take away what you can't control like you know our reputations are made by others but we have control over who we are and our character and that that and that's for me has been really really and that's part of the sort of grounding that my mom gives you know making sure you are really clear who you are you can only do who what you know you are who you are and I am me and what you see is what you get as you know Taylor what you see is what you get and that and that you know that that's the choice you have to make right yeah some really wise words and I think in particular whether it is I don't don't want to stereotype here too much in terms of females but we worry and in particular in the current environment you know there's lots of worries and so accepting recognizing as you say the things that you can change versus the things that you can't change what's the point in sweating over stuff that you can't physically make an impact on you know it's just an extra thing in the worry bucket isn't it it Uh, is and actually one of my mentors many years ago did say to me don't worry just turn that worry into enthusiasm but it's quite hard because you have to reframe you know the challenge in your mind or you have to reset the issue but um but I try I try doesn't always work it's easier said than done but it's also still a really good reminder isn't it? Because we could, I mean, it's, it can be crippling worrying. My mum's a worrier, actually, as well. I'm definitely a worrier. But it is, it's why spend that energy on things you can't control. If you inject that, uh, that worrying energy into positivity um, and use it to fuel something else, it's, it's definitely a positive. But you're right, it is, it's, it's a harder, harder thing said than done and having to completely reframe how you're thinking about something. Um, and I know you mentioned your mum's been a big inspiration, should I say, but have there been any other key inspiring people along your journey? And that could be personal. It could be people in business or role models that you've had along the route. There are so many. I I get inspired by many people. And I I often talk about mentors and finding those mentors because my mentors are the people that inspire me because there's something, there's a quality that they possess that I aspire to have um so there are many many of them but if I sort of step back and look at um, somebody who really for me captures a role model for me someone like an Indra Nui right from I mean she was a force of nature before our time 
and and it ticks all the buckets and you know it's brilliant so um she's the sort of poster girl that I have um but actually my my um my mentors I've got many of them male and female have have all inspired me in different ways and I tell tell you what the people that inspire me the most are the people that are willing to tell me hey Bina you got that wrong and this is why feedback is one of the greatest gifts that can be given it's the hardest as well right so that's why you have to receive feedback with the intent in which it's given to you and those role models are absolutely key as well. Ingenuity, wow. Post girl, it's a great way to put oh, it. Oh, she's my little actually. poster girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heroes and heroes, lots of them. But yeah, you're right. I think you can draw inspiration from lots of different places. And finally, um, I wonder if you could go back in time and speak to speak to the young Bina right back when you were perhaps embarking on that. KPMG graduate program or you're doing the milk round or, or whatever it may have been called is there any advice that you give to that young self of yours or indeed someone who was is now in a similar situation so my so many things I would tell myself <laughs> there are a couple of things I think um be brave and bravity is a, a good thing so you know we spend our day at work we should enjoy what we do. And if we don't enjoy it, look for the next challenge. And so for me, you know, whether it's a learning piece or pivoting into different things and be brave enough to do that. I think that's that's the one thing I would tell myself from day one rather than taking the leap and worrying about it, which is what happened. You know, the first two leaps I did were like, oh, is this the right thing to do? I think um, the other thing, um, and we've talked about this a lot before, Layla, is mentors. I wish I had been brave enough to find mentors and approach them. And I, and I did a, a session with some colleagues not that long ago and they asked me the same question. You know, how do I go and find mentors? And I said, well, actually, I, I'd be surprised if you found if you approach somebody and you said you wanted some time, you're not asking them to have lots of time because, this, you know, if you I find it really difficult to believe that they would say no. Um, and the, the hardest thing is to ask, isn't it? And what's the worst that can happen? Exactly. Exactly. Bina, thank you ever so much for joining me today. You've been an absolute superstar, as expected. Thank you, thank you very much for having me today. <laughs> I think there's been so many pieces of learning. I always do a, a brief summary at the end, but um, you know, I think you know what I've learned is it, it's felt like a mentoring session to me. Actually, is um, mentoring in specific whomever is listening, our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. You know, hope you've learned uh, plenty of, uh, of nuggets of wisdom here from hearing from from Bina, both on the the female gender agenda and um, you know, then also around entrepreneurship. Um, being brave, being bold, putting your head above the parapet is absolutely critical and key. You know, the worst thing that could happen would be that person says no and you know, getting yourself back up and dusting yourself down is ultimately absolutely fine. No one ever gets gets it right the first time. Um, I particularly loved as well, Bina, the uh, the learning journey. I think it's, you know, whatever phase we're at in our career, we are always learning. Learning, diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity is a living, sleeping, breathing piece. And it's something that will never be complete. Uh, I think the analogy of the rucksack and, and, and 
popping an extra tool of learning into the rucksack and, and jogging off is a really great analogy. So I think, you know, in terms of, of learning, reaching out, um, you know, making sure you also seek that help um, that is required um, is important. I think in particular as as women and you know also men and you know those who may come from underrepresented communities uh, asking for help there is nothing uh, there's nothing weak about doing that you know reaching out to the right people even reach out to Bina and we'll put all of her details in the show notes at the end of today's show both for uh, KPMG and some of the great work they're doing but also for the Cambridge Judge Business School um, which clearly is doing some superb work. You can visit us at www.dalglobal.org forward slash podcast and you can reach out to Bina or follow her on LinkedIn. Um, But until next week, we will look forward to seeing you again very soon.